Okay, Stephen, is this the last? <laughs> I think this is the last bike we, test. We are finished now. For now, until we go and demo more bikes at well, some yeah, point. We're just finished from the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. If you guys didn't know, that was like way back in like yes. freaking March, like March 2nd, I think, <laughs> yes. is when we were there. Yeah. yeah. Life life has been busy, and we haven't recorded uh, as many of these as quickly as we thought. That's three months ago. Shh, don't say that out loud. It's been busy. <laughs> um, so uh, anyways, these are bike test episodes. They are. And this is the Mountain Bike Podcast where we talk about all things mountain bikes, and occasionally Gravel bikes. Uh, yeah. And uh, sure. Yeah, actually that too. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and it makes some people very upset, but uh, so be it. Uh, we've, uh, so uh, occasionally we'll be going out and we'll be demoing a bunch of these bikes where we'd be doing different things. Like uh, we have an exciting uh, event that we'll have announced for you guys where we actually are going to do a whole like ride. Um, we're going to do like basically like a, a dream trip. Um, it's going to be really cool stuff that you can come to. Great. So, uh, plenty of different things, but basically, uh, for those that don't know, this is a side gig for Steven and I, mm -hmm. uh, it's just a, a fun side project that we do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one of the ways that you can make sure that this continues to happen is to go to mpbpodcast.com slash store. And then, uh, we're sponsored by worldwide cyclery. They're an awesome sponsor to have, uh, the we, best. we turned down a bunch of sponsors for a very long time. And then, uh, these guys, it makes perfect sense. So we decided to do it. The reason it makes perfect sense is because you can benefit too. They have great prices on parts, but above all, these folks know their stuff about bikes. Uh, we went, like, it might've been the only bike shop that I've ever seen you go to where you didn't look disapprovingly at the employee bikes <laughs> like, <laughs> like, because you have high standards. I do. And I mean, we both do. Mm -hmm. And when we looked around the bikes, we're like, oh, wow, these people know what they're doing. Yeah. Like... Uh, whose bike was it that they took um, one of the orange lowered oh, yeah, 36s yeah. and put the black Performance Elite uppers on it? Good choice. And I'm just like, I wouldn't have even thought of that. That's so, a good look. It was a good look. It was a really good look. So uh, they, they know what they're doing over there. Uh, you can go to mtbpodcast.com slash store, or you can go to the store, just click there. And then you can click on the Worldwide Cyclery banner. And then we get a little cut of everything that you get from Worldwide Cyclery. So go buy all your stuff there. Super fast shipping. They have an East Coast Center, a West Coast Center. It's really awesome. Yeah. So uh, we did a bike test thing at we Sedona, mm -hmm. and we rode every one of these bikes on an eight mile check loop, the same loop with under as similar circumstances as possible to try to get an indication of how these bikes behaved. Mm -hmm. So then you can understand the tendencies or characteristics of the bikes. What is this not Steven? What is this not? Yeah. It is not a long-term thing. It is <laughs> yeah. not a, oh, this bike had this part on it and I don't like that part. So therefore right. this bike sucks. Yeah. That's are, not what we were doing nope. at all. We didn't care. We yeah. didn't care if it had GX Eagle or, I mean, you rode a bike that I think had G, uh, had uh, Dior and SLX 11 oh, yeah. speed. Yeah. And you're like, don't care. Don't care. Want, yep. want bike. Yeah. Ride pedal now. Not affecting yeah. the, how the bike is behaving overall. Exactly. Um, granted that stuff can affect you down the road and everything else, but we're talking about tendencies and characteristics, like yeah. how, how the bike will feel when yes. you ride it is really what we're getting at with mm -hmm. all of this. Um, so, uh, I guess the, the check loop, Steven, do you want to explain the check loop really quick? Yeah. So we did a, an eight mile loop that started at the expo area uh -huh. and we had some road descending and road climbing that allowed us to really, without any sort of other input variables from the trail side of things, it allowed us to suss out the suspension and figure out, you know, how the bike was set up and, you know, whether the suspension and the geo and everything was right for us. And we did play with stack height and, you know, do all of the <laughs> things there. We did actually, yeah, we did move spacers around flip yeah. stems even. There was a lot of that yep. going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was about a mile mm -hmm. before we got to a trailhead, mm -hmm. smooth, very smooth climb into technical shelfy drops, 
side hill, slick rock. Yeah. Everything. Everything. And then we got into a nice little forested section that had loamy dirt and smooth and tight, rolly stuff. Yeah. And it, and there, and it was a lot of up and down and up and down, you know, like just a little 10 foot climb to a right and then a nice little descent. And so it allowed us to really get in and out of the saddle a lot and um, spend a lot of time, you know, going over roots and you know, figuring out the traction limits and traction advantages in general of, you know, the different bikes. Yep. Then we got into a chunky, a, nasty stuff. Yeah. Ch chunky, gnarly waterfall descent <laughs> into a chunky technical climb. Yep. And then on a bunch more slick rock with some up and downs. And then we had a nice jump, jump line, line trail and then some more climbing. I mean, we, we had it all. We literally got to do every terrain type you could imagine other yep. than Fat bikes in the snow. <laughs> True story. Yeah. 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 But uh, we, we were in Sedona. It, yep. Yeah. I guess they do get snow. In fact, they did there, but we dodged it. They do. Um, so, but they, we got a very broad spectrum and we could take these bikes and, and, and kind of relay the experience to you. Yes. Uh, so in this one, actually, we're just going to talk about two bikes that I rode. Mm -hmm. uh, and that actually does it for all the bikes that we've tested here. Yeah. Um, so Steven, you get to be the guy that kind of, uh, drives me through this one. Um, call me Jake Tapper <laughs> or don't know who he is. I don't know. Is He's he a guy. An, is he an NPR guy? No, he was, no. I think he was on the today show or something like that. Ah, there we go. Sure. Matt Lauer, think, Matt isn't, Lauer. No, yeah. isn't he bad? I don't know. I don't know. Let's focus. Um, yeah. so bike things. <laughs> yes. Uh, T I, I'm Steve Inskeet. That's who I am. Okay. There gotcha. we go. We'll go NPR. Okay. Um, uh, so I rode two bikes. You did. Ibis Mojo HD4 mm -hmm. and the Norco Site. Yes. I didn't ride them simultaneously. That would be quite complex. Uh, but these are different times and we're relating the experience. <laughs> so I should be clear. Good. Um, okay. Uh, I guess we should probably walk through. Yeah. Sets. What do you, yeah. Uh, so uh, the Norco Site on that bike is 27.5. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, both of these bikes are 27.5. Uh, and the Norco site had 150 front, 140 rear. And the HD4 was a 160 front, 153 rear. Ah, yes. So Specific. slightly bigger bike. Yep. Specific on that 153. Very much. Well. Yes. <laughs> and then the uh, the head tube angle, 66.5. And 64.9 on the HD4. Holy cow. Very slack. We're talking slack. Yeah. Uh, chain stay length, 430 for each of them. Bottom bracket height, they're only just a few. There's a handful of millimeters away from each other, 339 and 343. Yeah. So the bikes are pretty similar on paper, except for that head tube angle. There's a big difference there. And then, you know, you got some more leg also with that HD4. Yeah. Um, so I guess they aren't that similar. But the interesting thing was these bikes, I would say that they would be best ridden in similar um, type of aggress uh, you know, an aggressive level of terrain. So basically what I'm looking at here is like the, the Mojo HD four is a big bike, um, in the sense that like it can handle gnarly terrain. Yeah. The site can also handle gnarly terrain. Mm -hmm. Uh, at 150, 140, it even felt like it could handle, handle some stuff that might be even, you know, some, some more, um, something that would be more technical that, or you would expect, expect a bike like a 160 would only be able to handle that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, it punched above its weight with technical chunky stuff for okay. sure. Yeah. Um, but man, these bikes, they were very different at the same time. Very much different. Behaved very differently. Yeah. Now you can speak a bit to like an Ibis's tendencies, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we both rode, uh, two Ibises at the same time. Uh, what were the overall characteristics or some tendencies that we noticed with those Ibises? Um, I noticed, I noticed, and I think you felt the same way that both bikes felt very well balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Front to back, mm -hmm. you know, as far as suspension goes, but in general, they just rode really, really well and didn't need a whole lot of 
changing of things. Yeah. Everything was just engineered correctly. Yeah, it felt like a lot of thought went into the spec choices. Yes. They felt like they maintained a lot of momentum. They did. Like we were just like able to roll through things. They felt efficient. Um, really, really good bikes in that sense. Yeah. Now the, the one thing that I wanted your input on the, uh, Ibis has always been known to be a shorter, effective top tube bike. Mm -hmm. The HD four is the first time that they've paired that shorter top tube mm -hmm. with a ridiculously slacked head tube angle. Yeah. How did that combination that's new for them? So how did that feel to you? I, I, I have to admit that there, I felt like a bit of a mismatch, if that makes sense. Okay. So I rode a medium in this case okay. on that bike, and I can ride a medium or a large. I'm always in between them, uh, so I can usually pick. I rode a medium, and I did feel like on this bike, I probably would have gone for a large and a very short stem. I agree. Uh, the reason for that is that it felt so slack, but I felt like, man, I feel like I could get further back on this bike and I would do it even more justice. Okay. That said, a lot of bikes with a really slack head tube angle and then like a short top tube, they'll feel like you're riding on top of it and they'll feel kind of like unstable, especially when you're climbing. Yeah. Not the case with this bike. No. It felt very stable when climbing. Yeah. And and this bike does, I mean, it has a pretty steep seat tube angle for mm -hmm. how slack the head tube angle is I and like how that. short the top tube is though. Yep. Like I feel like this bike, you should have been on a large. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should have too. I like that steep seat tube angle though. Yeah, of course. Good stuff, man. Cause it gets your weight forward, but you also still have that bottom bracket, you know, further back you have, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that, and I think those steeper seat tube angles, I know a lot of people, I see people say the opposite. I feel like they really help the bike handling when you're seated, seated and like rolling through faster aim. Yeah. I feel like it helps it too. Um, I, yeah. So the interesting thing, so let's talk about, let's jump back to the Norco really quick. Okay. I feel like the best terrain match for the Norco is like fast, straight, chunky terrain. Hello, and, bike park world. Yeah. And that's, and that's honestly where I felt with the range. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the site was like when you got into the tight, turny, smooth terrain, um, or that that's where it felt like, okay, this bike just is a bit of a fish out of water here. Okay. Um, and then technical climbing, it didn't feel like it had a stable enough platform to give you a firm underfoot feeling so that nice. you could push off of things and get a clear indication of what the bike's going to do, where it's going to go, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so it didn't, it, I feel like it's best obviously going down fast, straight, but if you're dealing with climbing and you flip that switch, it still performed pretty well. Well, mm -hmm. it wasn't the most efficient climber, even with the, the, the switch flipped, but it easily got you up whatever totally. you needed to get. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I can say for that is the rear end is just super composed on that bike. Mm -hmm. Like when I went through that waterfall section that we've talked about, yeah. uh, man, the rear end was just like, please more. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Like uh, this is very much below. Like it did not feel like it was swimming in the deep end. Right. Like, yeah. like it was just. It's so composed through there. I could say the same for the Ibis too, although I'd say the Ibis wasn't as smooth, right? Uh-huh. But then as soon as you took the bike into situations that were like um, challenging or technical edgy terrain, the Ibis felt way more confidence inspiring when you're talking about going up for sure. But even going down, you just felt like you had, uh, you felt like the Norco gave you a big wiggle room like a large margin of error, mm -hmm. but you felt always like you had a less clear indication of what it did underneath like, you. Yeah. Like I'm, Oh, I'm in that margin of error. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm letting me do here, it, but yeah. I'm just spinning around and I'm okay. But you know, nebulous. But, yes, exactly. But yeah. the, the 
Ivis was like, you're right here. This is exactly what's going to happen. And I got you. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of, you had a clear indication of it, I guess. It wasn't harsh at all. Like the, like the Ryon, for example, felt more harsh, I would say. Yeah. Um, not in a bad way, just more stiff. Yeah. Uh, this one somehow managed to communicate that great trail feel without being harsh. And another thing that I noticed when you were riding this Ibis is that uh, if you came into sections where it was like a sudden, like there were spots where we just changed suddenly to climbing and yeah. you really didn't have a whole lot of time to go down and flip levers. You didn't have to flip a lever with no. this bike. I've never, I've never felt that with an Ibis. Yep. Yeah. But then if you wrote on the Norco, you really felt you like you had to. to flip levers. You need to. You know, yeah. which once again, if a bike is designed to work with a lever, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, you know, consider a lockout if you're going to be doing that sort of thing all the time. But yeah. on this bike, on the site, you're probably not going to be running a lockout on there on the bars, you know, yeah. like you're probably not going to do that because you're not, you might not be using it as a trail bike. I don't recommend it for that. And that kind of brings in where these bikes might not do as well or mm -hmm. where you could find a better choice. And it, the thing about the Norco is I, I wouldn't say that it's like a great, like everyday trail bike, unless you're riding really gnarly descending stuff when yeah. you're doing that. Uh, if that's the case, sure. Like if you're riding like BC sort of stuff. Can I say North Coast BC? Totally. Like lock that thing up when you climb up that road. And then when you get, then unlock that thing and just engage Cadillac hovercraft mode going down. Yeah. It'd be awesome for that. But if you're doing like more technical or more typical riding, then, uh, I don't, I think that there are better choices. Yes. It sits pretty low in the stroke. So pedal strikes were pretty common with mm -hmm. it. Um, and the bat, that, that buttery back end kind of almost, it makes the front end feel almost nervous because it's so smooth in the back. So I feel like it, if, you know, I think that the bike that I rode actually had, it had a Lyric on there. It should have been a Lyric and mm -hmm. I, I think it was the older Lyric and a, um, super deluxe. I feel like that's what it had on yeah. there. And that's how both of ours were set up, I think. Yeah. And I feel like this one could have really benefited from like a 36. Like, I feel like you can get initial plushness out of it or actually, you know, what fork would be great on it. MRP ribbon, the new ribbon, yeah. because that thing has amazing initial plushness. Yeah. So that would feel, I think, uh, you could, and it also has a lot of adjustability so you could match it. Um, speaking of that ribbon fork is probably a good remedy, no pun intended there, but remedy for bikes like the Trek remedy also that felt kind of imbalanced front to rear Yeah, because that thing you can tune so much, you can get it to behave exactly like you yeah. want, you know? I also think on the site, a half degree head tube angle slackening would probably help that bike out a lot in that department. Yeah. It would probably make uh, the front end feel more planted yeah. and similar to the rear. Yes. It's not that it necessarily needs it to handle technical terrain better. It's just, if you're looking for a front to rear match, which yeah. makes the bike handle better and more predictable than that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, and then I would say that the, the Ibis for as efficient as it is and everything else, it doesn't strike me as a particularly playful bike at all. The HD four. Mm -mm. Um, I don't think it's supposed to be. No, it's not supposed to be right. So this is me knocking it for something it never intended to be. But I would say that when you're with this bike, if you're looking for like an everyday trail bike, it's just too much. Like you don't need that. Absolutely. Unless once again, you're doing even, you know, not quite perhaps as gnarly as the Norco or not as severe, but if you, you know, if you're doing really gnarly descents and uh, really gnarly climbs, HD four will handle it just fine. Um, but chances are you could probably get away with a little less for typical riding that we all do. And I think that's where the Mojo three is supposed to be. Sure. As yeah, or even when you go. get yeah, get into the Ripmo or the Ripley LS yeah. or plenty of other options there. Yeah. Um so well, I'm specifically talking 27.5. Yeah. That's yeah. Absolutely. Uh so yeah, interesting uh 
two totally different bikes, one that takes the waterbed approach and one that takes the, the, the cot approach, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, but both of them that, uh, basically fit into almost the same area in terms of handling really gnarly terrain. So, uh, hopefully that those, those reviews give you some idea of how the bike will behave. And if you want to demo one, or if you want to get more information on it, and if you do want to get more information on it or have any comments or questions or want other bikes to, that we should test, just send it in mtbpodcast.com. Yep. Anything else on this one, Steven? Um, I really appreciate our listeners lately. They've been tagging me in a lot of uh, Yolanda Neff's <laughs> stuff. They're <laughs> trying. They're trying this for true. us. Keep going, guys. They're, yeah. Make this connection happen. We got to. On that note, let's end this one. Have a nice day. Yes. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.